You want to do something that would really help your husband today? Here's counsel from Barbara Rainey. One of the great callings of wives is to intercede and pray for our husbands. And when we pray for our husbands and for all that they're facing and all that God has called them to do, we are imitating what the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives. And it's how we can help our husbands. It's one of the greatest gifts we have, can give them in our role as helper. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. We're going to hear today about a number of ways wives can lovingly support their husbands. Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. Whenever we are with a group of couples in just about any setting I've ever been in, the women in that group are always wishing that they could get a little extra time with your wife. I do, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got her all the time. But these women really look forward to getting some mentoring, some coaching. My wife has good economy of words. You know, there are some people who uh, talk a lot and don't and say, say much. A little, uh-huh. <laughs> she doesn't use a whole lot of words, and she gets a lot said. And I think uh, because of her stage in life and because of, frankly, some of the hardship we've uh, endured as a couple, as, as parents, and as a family, um, I think she's got a lot to say. And it's not all out of our success. It's not all out of some uh, cookie-cutter, perfect home. But it's it's out of a biblical grid from a woman who's walked with Christ for, uh, well, almost 40 years and uh, been obedient and, and following him, not perfectly again, mm-hmm. but but uh, she does have a lot to say. Well, we're going to listen to part one of a message from Barbara Rainey. This is a message she entitled, Three Essentials for Every Married Woman. And, and real quickly, here's the outline. A married woman needs to be a woman of the word. She needs to be a husband helper, and she needs to be a world changer. Well, good morning. Well, I've realized that one of the advantages of being in the season of life that I'm in is um, I have a little more time to reflect and to think and to look back on my life and um, and to just sort of look at it sort of from a big picture. I think when I was raising my kids, I was so swamped in the dailiness that I couldn't ever pull back enough to look at the big picture. And as I've done that, one of the things that I've I've realized that is for me, and um, I think it's true for most women, I think there are three things that are just essential for every married woman, no matter what your age is. If you're just starting out, if you've got teenagers or if you're in the empty nest and you've got grandkids all over the country like we do. I just think there are some things that are universal, uh, that are common to all of us, that are needed by all of us. And those are the three things I wanted to um, share with you this morning and then hopefully we'll have some time for questions in the end. So I'm going to share three essentials, three priorities, whatever you might want to call them for every married woman. And the first one is, is that I really am convinced, and um, more so with each year, of the importance of us as women of being in God's Word. I remember when I was raising kids, 
um, how hard that was for me. It was one of those things that I felt a great sense of failure over for many years in my life because um, I had this ideal and I had this goal of spending time in God's Word on a regular basis, and I felt very frustrated um, and very defeated much of the time because my kids interrupted me. Or I'd get up early in the morning and they'd get up before I would. Or I'd try to do it during nap time and somebody wouldn't go to sleep like they were supposed to. Or somebody would be sick. Or I'd be so tired I couldn't focus and continue a train of thought in prayer. So, but as I have got older and I began to get into serious Bible study, I tried a lot when my kids were little, but it was, it was just hard. And I did it, but I did it very sporadically. But as my kids got older and they were all in school, I was able to do that on a pretty consistent basis. And I realized how important it was for me, for me personally, to be in God's Word myself and not to just be dependent on secondhand information that I got on Sunday mornings and in church or secondhand information that I got from a book I was reading, or secondhand information that I got from somebody else who said that this is what I learned, this is what God is teaching me. And I realized through doing consistent Bible study myself that God could speak to me, and he wanted to speak to me, and he delighted to speak in me, and I could actually hear from him. And that was such a wonderful discovery, and it was something that I knew was true, and it had happened some, and it wasn't that it never did. But as I got into Bible study in a serious, consistent way, it began to happen more often. I began to hear more from God myself, not from somebody else and then to me, but directly from God to me. And it was a wonderful, wonderful discovery. And so as I look back on those early parenting years, I just think, oh, I wish I had made it more of a priority. So I think for every married woman, no matter what season of life you're in, if you have little bitty kids, I know it's hard. Uh, My daughter's got five boys. And it's hard for her, but I've really encouraged her to uh, make serious Bible study a part of her life, and she's doing a much better job than I did. And she's in some pretty consistent Bible study. And I'm watching her raise her boys, and it's really helping her keep her peace, her sense of calm, even though she gets frustrated and angry with her kids just like I did. But she has this strength to draw on. Um, more than I did at her stage in life. So I think it's an extremely important thing for all of us as women. Um, one of the things that I've, I've realized as I've been thinking about this is that not only is Bible study important for us, but I think God wants us to be theologians as women. How many of you ever thought of yourself as being a theologian? <laughs> Probably not. I'm not so sure I still do either for that matter. But theology is simply knowing God. It's the study of God. It's knowing who he is. And I've realized that um, when we know who God is, we know how he thinks. We know what he does. We know why he does what he does. It's the essence of a relationship. And when we're studying God's word, we're getting to know him personally. We're getting to know God. And we're developing a relationship with him. So therefore, we understand better why he does what he does. We may not always know why he does what he does but we can understand it better, and um, I think we're stronger. This fall, I went to a conference in Chicago, a women's conference. It was a really big women's conference, and John Piper was one of the speakers, and he made a statement that I wrote down because it really applied to this, and I liked what he said. He said, wimpy theology makes wimpy women, and I thought, ooh, I like that, because if we really aren't in God's word, then we just have secondhand information. We're living on somebody else's insight or somebody else's discovery. 
And that makes for wimpy theology, and it makes for a wimpy woman, too. And I don't want to be a wimpy woman. I want to be a strong woman. Um, and I want my strength to come from a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. And so by contrast, a confident woman is one who is confident in her theology. She clearly knows what the Bible says, and it makes her a strong woman. And that's what I want for me, and I think that's what you would want, too, because I think all of us who make a claim to know Christ— we want to be strong women. We don't want to be wimpy women. And so the way to become a strong woman is to really be strong in knowing Christ in his word. Um, women who stand strong when everything under them gives way have powerful theology. Because knowing God well and knowing his word is what gives us the strength to stand strong. And we discovered that in a very personal way with our um, granddaughter, Molly, who was born this summer and died. And I found myself during that week of her life spending a lot of time in, when we were in the waiting room, especially in the last few days of her life, just having to read scripture to remind myself of what was true. One of the interesting things as we were there is that we had all these meetings with doctors. And they were very gracious and they were very kind and they... I mean, they had to deliver devastating news. How do you do that? And I don't think they get much training for that in med school. That's a skill that they have to learn, and some of them do it better than others. But um, so even though they were gracious and very kind, they were trying to be helpful too. And um, one of the things that I know one of the doctors said that I heard was that, you know, he was trying to give us an explanation for what happened. And his only way of explaining it was that it was a random mutation or some kind of gene that just went awry. And so if you, if you really grasp onto that, then what does that do with your theology? How, how do you reconcile a random mutation of a gene with the truth that God is in control and that God is sovereign? How do those two mix? What do you do with them? They don't mix too well, do they? One of the verses we read over and over again this summer that I still go back to um, regarding Molly's life was Psalm 139, which says... My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. That's the truth. It's not a random mutation. God was in control. God knit Molly's body together in my daughter's womb. He made her the way he wanted to make her. And the assurance that I have that that's true is in this book. And we as women need to know what this book says. So that when the storms of life come, and they will, when the troubles of life come, and they will, we can stand strong. We won't be wimpy women. We'll be strong women because we know what God's word says. And this verse goes on to say, um, And in your book were they written, all the days that were fashioned for me, when as yet there was not one of them. And so even though that was a really, really difficult time in our lives, we were confident that God formed Molly, and we were confident that he knew the number of days of her life. And the number of her days was seven. Even though we heard those things from the doctors and they temporarily caused us to sway a little bit because it was a little unnerving and a little unsettling to hear some of that, and yet we went back to God's word. And God's word became our anchor. God's word became our strength. And so I think for women um, in this generation, with all that's going on in our world, with all the multitudes of things that our kids are exposed to, and I don't mean just little kids or teenagers, I mean even kids my kids' ages who are married 
and are dealing with the world, and they're trying to raise their children. The world is getting increasingly difficult. And as the world gets increasingly more difficult to live in, our time in God's Word needs to go up accordingly because God's Word is the only thing that will make us strong in the storms of life. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do, and I know many of you are doing a great job of being in Bible study, in serious Bible study, but just make sure that that is a regular part of your life. I promised myself years ago that I would be in consistent, serious, inductive Bible study until I breathe my last breath. And if I'm not in a class of some kind, I don't do it. I just have learned that about myself. If I don't have the accountability of a class and an assignment that has to be done on a weekly basis, it's too easy for me to put it off. Now, maybe you're better than I am as far as disciplining yourself, um, and you can do it on your own without the, the help of a class and, and a teacher and something like that, but I have to have it, and that's, it's what I have learned about myself, and it's what I've decided to do for myself for the rest of my life. So number one is make um, being a student of God's Word a priority. And then the second thing I've, I have learned is how important it is for us as women at any stage of our marriage to be a helper to our husbands. So I wanted to share some things that I've learned recently about that. I think just as we need good, strong, biblical theology as women in our lives personally, we also need it in our marriages. Uh, to be the kind of wife that God wants us to be, we need to know what he says. We need to know what his word says about how to do this job called wife, how to fulfill this role that he's called us to and created us for. Um, in Genesis, when God created Eve, he told Adam that he was making a helper for him. Uh, and before the fall, before sin made a mess of marriage, God had declared that woman was to be the helper. That was the title he gave to her in her job description. And in the New Testament in Ephesians, we learn that the husband um, is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And so in those two verses, in those two statements, we see that each of us in marriage has a model in the Godhead that we are to imitate and to follow in our roles in marriage. Um, he is our model and the one that we're to look to for each of our roles in marriage. I think there's so much misunderstanding in the church about the Holy Spirit and his role and who he is. It's the part of the Trinity that's the least understood, I think, among believers. And so likewise, I think it's um, not surprising that as women, there's a lot of misunderstanding sometimes as far as our role, too. If we're to be a helper, uh, as the Holy Spirit is a helper, um, the Holy Spirit's call in the Old Testament in the Greek, the term is paraclete for Holy Spirit, and it means intercessor. It means advocate, consoler, and comforter. So as we look to God, as we look to the Holy Spirit to be our model, and we're to imitate him in our marriage relationship as wives, those are four words that describe who the Holy Spirit is that we as wives likewise can imitate and follow. In the book of John, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, and he told his disciples on the eve of his death that he was going to send someone to be with him. And he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, he said, and then he goes on to say what the Holy Spirit will do for us. And I think there's some lessons for us as wives um, in those instructions that Jesus gave his disciples concerning the Holy Spirit. The first one is, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. What does that do for us as Christians when we know that the Holy Spirit will be within us forever and that he will never leave us and never forsake us? What does that do for us? 
gives us a great sense of security, doesn't it? Because we know that no matter what we do, he will always be there. So likewise, if we as women are supposed to imitate the Holy Spirit as a helper, because the Holy Spirit is a helper and we are to be a helper, what does that do for our husbands if our husbands know that we are going to be with him forever? No matter what he does, no matter how bad things get, I am going to be with my husband forever. Provides great security for him too. Jesus goes on to say that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And I think what that does for us as believers is that gives us the ability to trust because we know that no matter what God says, it's truth. And I think as a wife, I need to be so careful that everything I speak to my husband is truth. I need to be careful about passing on things that I've heard that may or may not be true. I just need to evaluate my speech and be careful that I'm speaking truth to him. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And when you think about the context of when that was spoken, the the disciples knew that something was beginning to happen. Something big was going to happen. They may not have understood, and they didn't clearly understand everything about the crucifixion and what all that meant, but they knew that Jesus had been saying, I'm going to leave you. But when he said this to them, that the Holy Spirit would remind them of everything that Jesus had ever said, that too would bring great comfort, wouldn't it? Because if someone you love is going away, what do you long for? You long to hear their voice again. You long to hear from them again. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to your remembrance everything that I said to you. And I think as wives, when we bring to our husband's remembrance the truth of Christ, the truth of Jesus in their lives, we as women can be a great comfort to our husbands in the same way. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from me, he will speak. And again, it's just an encouragement to me to be careful what I say and not pass on stuff that I don't know is the truth or things that aren't going to do my husband any good. Jesus also said that the Holy Spirit would glorify him. And I need to be careful in my speech that what I say glorifies God. In Romans 8.26, it says that the Spirit helps our weakness, for the Spirit himself intercedes for us. And I think one of the great callings of wives is to intercede and pray for our husbands. And when we pray for our husbands and for all that they're facing and all that God has called them to do, We are imitating what the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives, and it's how we can help our husbands. It's one of the greatest gifts we can give them in our role as helper. So I want to encourage you to be a holy helper to your husband by imitating what the Holy Spirit does for us as believers. And then I have a friend who made this statement that I'm going to quote in a a letter that he wrote. He said, Don't give up on people. Over time, people with a heart for God do mature and grow up. The fruit of the Spirit gradually ripens in their life, which it does in ours too. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for us, and it's what he does for our husbands. Uh, It's a gradual ripening of the Spirit of God in our lives over time. Well, we've been listening to uh, Barbara Rainey with a a message for wives on the three essentials for every married woman. In fact, we're going to hear part two of this message tomorrow on the program. But um, Dennis, these are just good basic reminders for every wife about 
what her focus and priorities need to be. And I'm glad that uh, I'm married to the woman who gave this message. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking, it's really true about her. But even as I say that, Bob, I kind of wish there was a way, and you can't do it on radio, and you couldn't do it in video either. But I wish... I wish we had a way of really, truly explaining to people what this truly looks like day in and day out, because it's not nearly as glorious as we can make it here in a 25-minute broadcast on family life today. I mean, it's hard work. It's diligence. It's faithfulness. It's making mistakes and not being a woman of the Word and and believing the wrong things and not being a husband helper, but being a, a husband... Um, well, complainer or uh, chipping, <laughs> Grumbler. chipping away at him. Or, you know, you make mistakes. Barbara's made mistakes. But overall, she's been faithful to live out what we're talking about here. And that's really what we're trying to encourage women to to be and to do in their own marriages and families. It's not a matter of perfection. It is a matter of faithfulness. Just stay after it and keep following Jesus Christ and looking to God to... Uh, be the North Star of your life. Yeah, and I'm thinking about uh, Sunday mornings at our Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways where we have the opportunity to speak to the men and the women separately about what it is God's calling us to do and to be as husbands and wives in a marriage relationship. And what we've heard from folks is that Sunday morning time is some of the most important time of the weekend as husbands and wives get a chance to reorient and refocus and make sure They are about the right priorities moving forward in their marriage relationship. We have 14 events this fall, and if our listeners are interested in attending any of those events, now is a good time to get in touch with us. Go to FamilyLifeToday.com, click the link at the top of the page that says Go Deeper. That'll take you to where you can find more information about the Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaway, find out when an event is coming to a city near where you live or a city you'd like to travel to. And we hope you'll plan to attend one of these upcoming events, either this fall or next spring. Now, tomorrow, we're going to hear part two of Barbara Rainey's message about a woman's priorities in life and in marriage. I hope you can tune in for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.